What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all, as always, and we are officially week one of the college lacrosse season is officially in the books, began and ended in Durham, North Carolina, and that's where we're going to start with this game. So I'm going to talk a bit about Duke had, obviously, a game on Friday against RMU and a game on Sunday against Vermont. Let's start you know Let's start with the Robert Morris game, and then we'll talk about the Vermont game because there's much more to talk about with Vermont than there is with uh, the Colonials. It was a 21-12 game, uh, a win for Duke on Friday night. Uh, Brennan O'Neill, he gets the scoring started. And, uh, you know, he has himself a day, uh, puts up a sock trick, six goals to lead all scorers. You know, Duke jumps out to a, you know, 10 to 3 lead at the end of the first quarter alone. Uh, that first stanza, really big for Duke there. Um, you know, you had a three minute non releasable on Duke um, where the Colonials were able to find some, moment, some momentum. They go on a 4-2 run uh, from about just under the 15-minute mark through, uh, you know, just under the 9-minute mark in that second uh, period of play, make it a 12-7 game. Um, however, you know, Duke it, it is not going to go away. That's really the only, you know, big momentum that we saw RMU get all day um, was that 4-2 run uh, that – Duke leads 14 to 7 at half. Uh, you had you know, Dyson Williams and Brennan O'Neill back to back man up goals uh, from them to end the half. Um, you get Romo has a 3 2 run again in the final 729 of the third. Uh, Corson Keeley gets two. Jake Baudreau, uh gets one as well. And look, those two guys really. What we've seen uh, from, as well as Taggart Clark, uh, were, were really kind of the core pieces of this RMU offense. Um, and they did a lot of the work for the Colonials on Friday night. Um, you know, Duke, they're up 18-10 heading into the final frame. Uh, they go 3-2 and two in that final period of play. 21-12 victory. It never was in doubt, really. Um you know, and this is one I, I think, you know, for, for RMU, you, you see there's still kind of, you have Craig McDonald and they have that new staff. They're still playing a bit of what they had used to play under Andrew McMinn. You're keeping some shorties on, playing two-way guys, things of that nature. Um, but this was a much different Colonials team than what we saw last year where they hung with Duke for pretty much the entirety of the game. This one, you had some sparks, but uh, Duke, obviously the much better team, uh, certainly in this one. I mentioned Brennan O'Neill. He had six goals uh, there to lead the way. You know, Dyson Williams has been, you know, biggest takeaway of the weekend possibly for Duke is Dyson Williams being moved back uh, to attack after playing midfield last season. I love watching him play attack. He had five points 
Um, four goals, one assist on Friday. Uh, Mike Adler had 16 saves in this one as well. Fantastic performance from him. Uh, six of those came in the third quarter alone, which is really where Duke, um, you know, they had separated themselves early on, but, you know, RMU looked like, okay, possibly creep back in there. Adler really steps up. Jake Naso, 75% at the dot. You have on the Robert Morris side, uh, Taggart Clark, five points, four goals, one assist. Corson Keeley has a hat trick um, and has one assist as well uh, there to lead the way. Um, you look at the man-up situation, Robert Morris, uh, this game could have gone differently maybe if they do convert more on the man up. They're two, in, two of six on the man up. Really, really not a good day there. Um, the Blue Devils won the ground ball battle 46-31 to 31, um, and you know had 23 turnovers to the Colonials, 25. So just all around you know, solid performance there from Duke in the opener. And then what we saw from Duke in the Sunday game against Vermont, and this was a much better game, Start to finish, obviously a top 20 battle. Um, and Vermont, they proved themselves as a top 20 team today on Sunday. It's a 15 to 7 win. Um, but, you know, an eight goal loss there. Um, but Vermont, it, you know, if these two teams play again, um, I don't think it's an eight, it's an eight goal spread. Um, you know, Vermont, they opened the scoring up. Uh, Liam Limoges just over six minutes in the game. Um, you know, your Duke answer two really good goals from the Kai Montgomery. One, gets separation on the outside, just a simple step down shot. Uh, you know, timing room is shooting uh, there from the Kai on that left wing. And then you see him, you know, sweep across the field, just beat everybody. Um, and just put one in, and, and no one was going to stop that uh, there. You know, but that would be the last, that second Nakai goal would be the last uh, goal for the Blue Devils, really the last you know, spark they had offensively until the second half as Vermont just went absolute bananas in you know the final 22-51 of the first half here. Um you had, you know, it's 2-1 Duke. Then you get Ryan Cornell, you know, sprints across, you know, gets the save. I think it, 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 it ricocheted off him. Comes out of his crease, gets the ground ball, takes it up the field, passes it off. I can't remember who he passes it off to, but um, he's the trailer. He's the trailing guy. And they get it back to Cornell, and he... Gets it over to David Kosterman for the goal. Um, amazing play. Uh, amazing play. Best play. <laughs> Best play of the weekend by far. Um, that and in, in, in the pole-to-pole action in, in Utah-Denver, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, you know, best play. You know th- That and the, the one in Utah-Denver, best play of the weekend. But absolutely you know, phenomenal game uh, from Ryan Cornell. I believe he ended with 11 saves, um, eight of which came in that first half alone. A really big first half for him, and 
and really anchored that team, anchored that defense as they held Duke scoreless for twenty for over twenty two minutes um, in the first half of play. That that goalie assist really energized this Catamounts team, and they were able to just keep on rolling. Um, they get you know that one, and then you had another one from Griffin Finch um, and, and, and Mike McCormick, uh, which pushes them ahead four to two at the half. Um, you know Tommy Burke went three of zero. Uh, you know, well three and zero at the dot in the second quarter. He goes sixty eight percent on the day. He was a big part of this team's success. Um, and a big part there in the second in the second half. Um, you look in the second quarter alone, he goes three for three. Um, the Catamounts won the ground ball battle in that second period, six to two. Um, and they really owned the middle of the field. Uh, they, they really did. Um, you know, were able to get things going in transition in the middle of the field. Uh, and were the much better team in that first half of play. Um, it wasn't clean. Um, 100%, you know, first game of the season, but it, it was very, very impressive what they were able to do, you know, on both ends of the field and in between the boxes during that period, um, th- those 22 minutes, uh, final 22 or so minutes in the first half. Um, but suddenly you change, you know, change to the third quarter and boom, Duke flips on the, flips on the light. And I don't know what Donowski said in the locker room at halftime, but this was a different Duke team coming out in the second half than they were in the first half. The Blue Devils got hot. They rally off a rattle off seven consecutive goals from early in the third through early in the fourth to take a 9-4 lead. They hold Vermont scoreless for uh, 22-some-odd minutes, (laughs) so literally – Exactly what Vermont had just done to them in the first half. They're owning, they're owning, you know, th- that area in between the boxes. Now, Tommy Burke is still getting it done at the faceoff dot over Jake Naso, as I said, into 68%. But outside of that, and, and that really, look at Tommy Burke and what he did, really kept this game from getting out of hand even more. Um, because this game didn't get out of hand until late in the game. Um, there, you know, I mentioned you have a seven, seven goal streak for for Duke, but that just makes it nine to four. Um, th- that's not a significant lead, and Vermont they they were able to cut into that Duke lead, you know, three times. Um, or cut the lead to three twice during the fourth quarter. Um, Michael McCormick, Thomas McConvey get two goals, um, and then. Duke answers, and then you have uh, w- 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 with an, an absolute beautiful Brennan O'Neill uh, looking like Rob Pinnell w- w- with the question mark uh, dodge there. Fantastic shot from him. And then Griffin Finich um, answers that right right back, and um, you know, it, it's a three-goal game again. Uh, but Duke, final 8-0-2 of this game, um, you know, despite not having the best success on the faceoff on the day, it was still a pretty good effort from Jake Naso. Um, and, you know, Duke was winning the ground ball battle, and they were able to, and Mike Adler certainly getting those saves into 15 on the day. 
um, seven of which came in the final two periods of the game. So second half of the game, uh, Mike Adler, what he did there, and then they went um, 11-11 in the clearing game in the second half Duke did, which was really impactful because you had some issues there where the Vermont ride stifled them in the first half. That did not happen as much there in the second half. Duke really just took control of the possession. And, you know, they held – you look at the final 8.02 of the game. They hold Vermont to just two shots. And one of those shots came as time expired. So um, really one actual shot um, there in the final eight minutes of the game. Uh, Duke holds Vermont too. So, and, and look, this is a re- really good Vermont team. They're probably, you know, I have them as the favorite to win the the America East. You look at all this talent, um, and and look, really Vermont. They did a lot of really good things in this game. I think number one, um, just and, and they talked about this on the broadcast a bit as well. Vermont, they have the athleticism, they have that size. Maybe not to an ACC, a Big Ten caliber, but they have it at multiple, at multiple positions. They have that talent, and so they were able to you know, get a short stick matchup and capitalize on those matchups. They were able to get mismatches and capitalize on those. And really, when you look at it, the majority of the goals came off capitalizing on mis- on mismatches uh, that Duke just simply was not able to. Uh, not able to cover or recover from. And, you know, Vermont did a great job on that. But, you know, ultimately, Duke, certainly the better team here, uh, you know, more athletes on this team. You look at Brennan O'Neill. He had three goals in this one as well as Nakai Montgomery. Dyson Williams, three goals and one assist. Um, and then you look at Joe Robertson. He had two goals and two assists as well. So, you know, that – those four, those those guys, those four guys right there played a huge part in this Duke victory, as did, as I mentioned, Mike Mike Adler. And really, you got to give props to both goalies in this game. Um, you know, Ryan Cornell owned the first half. Mike Adler uh, owned the second half. It was a fantastic uh, display of goalie play in this game between those two. And look, if they play again if in the NCAA tournament, um, I, you know, I for one am going to be pretty excited uh, for that matchup. Moving on to Saturday's games. Um, this was – so let's start here with Maryland. Um, so overall on Saturday was a pretty good, pretty good day. Obviously week one, everyone's always excited, but you're going to have – some blowouts, and, you know, we did have that, um, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, first game that really I paid, and, and the game I paid the most attention to, um, kind of solely on, at that noon noon um, slate, was Maryland and High Point. Um, I, I think I tuned out to flip to Hopkins-Jacksonville at about in, like, the thir- sometime in the third quarter. Um but there's a 21-13 win for Maryland. Um, and, and look, they started the season with a bang. Um, and obviously, you lose Jared Bernhardt, but 
no, the, the Topes did not miss a step at all. Right from the get-go, um, this Maryland offense was showcasing its depth. Your Jonathan Donville, uh, Cornell transfer, get his first goal in a Topes uniform less than a minute into the contest. Uh, Keegan Kahn, Owen Murphy from Villanova, and Johns Hopkins um, each scored also during that initial run, and it was a 4-0 run to start the game for the Terrapins. Uh, Logan Wisnowskis, the new number one there in College Park, also got his day started off with that run as well. And Wisnowskis, you know, puts up eight points, five goals, three assists to lead the way uh, for the Terps on Saturday afternoon. Keegan Kahn, he has six points off four goals and two assists. Uh, that included, if you haven't seen it, I have it on the lacrossebucket.com or uh, Saturday recap post. I have the tweet up in in the article, this beautiful, beautiful behind-the-back uh, finish that we saw from Keegan Kahn, uh, Keegan Kahn off a feed from Logan Wisnowskis. Uh, this was simply a day where Maryland just showcased everything they had, and they were as deep as you could be um, really at every single position. They dominated this game. Luke Weilman, 11 for 17 at the faceoff dot as well. Uh, but the story of the day, really, this Maryland offense um, with guys like Keegan Kahn, Logan Wisnowski taking over there, as well as Jonathan Donville, Owen Murphy, um, and plenty of others that we saw step up as well. Uh, Eric Malver had himself a pretty solid day as well. Um, uh, 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 so, you know, n- not much trouble here from Maryland. And look, is there a ton that you can take from this game? You know, maybe not, but we do know this is a dangerous Maryland team, and they showed that. High Point certainly has had some success against top-tier teams. Not so much today. But when they did find success, Braden Maia, Asher Nolting were uh, usually in on the party. You had Brandon Maia have five goals. Asher Nolting dished out six of the six six assists and found the net once, so seven points for him. Um, I believe all of Maia's goals came off Nolting assist. I, I, it, it was either four, it was either like five or all six of them that were from uh, Nolting, from what I remember. But it was a really good day. You saw that duo working very, very well for High Point, and they were able to when they were able to kind of, you know get that Maryland defense out of rotation. They were able to get get to the crease, do some things there um, that you know, typically we, we see of uh, the, the high point offense, but uh, that, that was few and far between uh, when they did get those opportunities. Um, a 21-13 to 13 win for the Terrapins. Sticking in the Big Ten, I want to mention Rutgers and LIU. Rutgers gets a six. It gets a fifteen to six victory there. Um, really, really good effort from Mitch Bartolo. Five goals, one assist in his debut. Excuse me, four goals, one assist in his debut there uh, with the Scarlet Knights. And 
you know, this is the second time that we've seen, a second year in a row, I should say, that we've seen this Rutgers offense take in a, um, you know, really you know, talented midfield grad transfer and move him to attack and kind of run the show at attack. And he did that um, on Saturday against LIU. Um, as I mentioned, four goals, excuse me, five goals. I keep on saying four. Five goals in the contest, a career high for him. Um, also had an assist as well. Uh, Wesleyan transfer, Ronan Jacoby, was playing alongside him there. Um, and Ross Scott uh, was, was bumped down to attack as well. So you got two former mid- midfielders playing at attack for the Scarlet Knights this year in Bartolo and Ross Scott. A really good day for the Scarlet Knights. Uh, Bobby Russo, Bobby Russo uh, really shined defensively. Uh, he got Richie McCalandra in this matchup and did a pretty good job on that matchup as well. Uh, but the, uh, the the highlight, Bobby Russo highlight coming out of this game was him taking it across the midline and uh, just absolutely stinging the back of the net um, in a shot from outside. Um, he he held, he held, you let you look, Calandra had nothing. He just blanked him, had one shot. Uh, so Bobby Russo did a good job there uh, covering Richie or Calandra uh, there against LIU on Saturday, and Rutgers gets the season started off strong as well. The faceoff dot, you know, we saw Sam Steffen come in there as expected. He did good. I believe he was 50-some-odd percent, uh, somewhere between 50-60% on the day. Did a good job. Uh, wasn't expecting anything you know, spectacular from him. Um, Today, um, wasn't expecting him not to do well either, but just, you know, against LIU, we saw a number of different guys get some uh, get some runs there at the faceoff dot, but uh, Sam Steffen, the, you know, Mount St. Mary's transfer, the main guy at the dot for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and they start off the season, as I said, strong 15-6 to win over a solid NEC team and LIU. Next game here, Virginia and Air Force. And now, this is a game I watched a good amount of this. Um, I, I watched Maryland, and I watched I watched a quarter of Rutgers. I didn't watch too, too much of Rutgers, but I watched one quarter of them uh, kind of on a second screen there as I have another game on the TV. Um, I, I I had Virginia on for, I want to say, I turned it on at the end of the first, um, like the tail end of the first quarter. So I saw that third um, Air Force goal, where Air Force goes up 3 nothing, um, And then I watched through halftime and a bit of the third. Um and look, this was a, uh, you know, for the first quarter, um, Virginia was terrible. Uh, they couldn't get anything going. 
And Air Force showed, like, hey, we got some good players. However, as things progressed, you know, Virginia finally shook that rust off, and um, they became the team that we all know they are. Uh, Connor Schoenberger, two goals, five assists, had himself a very strong day there for the back-to-back national champions. Um, 21-11 win for the Cavaliers. Um, And I mentioned Schellenberger. You saw Xander Dixon get on the action. Peyton Cormier. Griffin Schutz had his first goal. Actually, he's kind of diving towards the crease, and Schellenberger's coming around. Uh, finds him, finds a cutting Griffin shuts there, and the big man gets his first uh, goal, college goal. Um, but the big, big thing for Virginia in this game was the ride. The Virginia ride is back, folks. They went seven. They went seventeen. Uh, I mean, held the Falcons to seventeen for twenty-four on the ride. Um, Absolutely. I don't care who it's against. That is absolutely amazing um, what they did there on the ride. And, you know, so that's 51% um, that, that Air Force went in the clearing game. That is not good at all. Um, the Cavaliers got five possessions, or got five goals off of possessions they gained from a failed Falcon clear, uh, Cole Kastner. A big part of that success in the ride, uh, you know, starts at defense, but they had him, you know, roaming around there in the middle middle of the field during those riding situations. He had four cause turnovers, two ground balls on the day, uh, so a solid day for Cole Kastner there. Connor Schellenberger obviously mentioned him and just this entire Virginia team. The final three periods, they played very well. Also, shout out Jason Rose. Air Force goalie played a pretty good game as well as Brandon Dodd, uh, one of the top attackmen. Uh, you know, Air Force has some talent, but uh, Virginia was the much better team, especially for the final three periods of play in this one. Last game I'm going to dive deep into, Denver versus Utah. This is one I watched in its entirety. This was outside Denver, Utah, Duke, Vermont, which one was the best game of the week? I would probably say this one just because of how close it was um, for its entirety. Um, Andrew McMahon, obviously his debut with the Utes, and it almost ended in an upset bid over Bill Tierney and the Denver Pioneers um, as... This took a final stand, a final Denver defensive stand uh, to force a win uh, for the Pioneers. This thing could have gone into overtime. Um, look, this, you know, the, the this thing probably should have gone into overtime. I'm not one to tell coaches what to do, but look, Utah, and my biggest takeaway from this game wasn't so much with Denver as in, like, we knew what Denver was. Ted Sullivan, JJ JJ Silstrop, like we knew what these guys were gonna do. Alex Stathakis goes fifty eight percent at the dot. Like we know 
six on six. This is a very good offense, and they play very, very good together, and they showed that, certainly, on Saturday. Um, and, and I think this Denver defense has probably improved from last year as well. Um, but Utah, they've brought – Andrew McMinn has brought that fast-paced style um, west. Uh, and, look, they have taken to it. Utah has taken to it very well. Um, you know, unsettled situations and transition is really where Utah got many of their opportunities. Um, you know, with, I think, you know, they took a 10-8 lead with 442 left in the third. Um, and look, they get a defensive stop. Ryan Lemons picks up the ground, causes the turnover, picks up the ground ball, goes down the field. And Sammy Cabrera is another long pole there. Um, so you got two poles running down on the offensive end. Flips it to his buddy. That's a goal. I mean, that, that, that was one of the best plays of the weekend. Um, you know, Denver, they had an 8-6 lead at the half. Um, and then, like, they, they seemingly, you know, had a positive play. For every you know big opportunity Utah had, so that really kept things balanced. Um, you know the Pioneers eventually had a twelve to ten lead. There at one point, you get Tyler Bradbury. Uh, you know, you know, late in the game, you know, gets fourteen thirteen uh, off a Tyler Bradbury goal with one twenty four left. De- Utah wins the f- subsequent faceoff. And they take a they go down, and McMinn uses a timeout. I don't, and it was a, a it wasn't an unsettled situation, but they were going pretty fast off this face off. I don't know why you take that timeout. I do not know why you take that timeout. And I said it a minute ago. I'm not one to, to criticize coaches or anything, but why do you take that timeout? You know that you have not been able to get many opportunities to go in six-on-six, settled six-on-six possessions all game. But what you have done is cash in on every little opportunity you have in transition and on unsettled situations. Utah then takes another timeout, but they couldn't get anything to go. Take another timeout. Final seven seconds, um, Denver holds strong and gets the win. This was a, a, a very exciting one. And as I mentioned, like Denver, uh, they showed who they were. They were a very strong team. Um, but I was more so, you know, my, my biggest takeaway was on the Utah side and just this fast-paced play that McMinn has brought out west with him. A couple other notes here before we go. Mount St. Mary's upsetting Navy 11-9 to in Annapolis. Your two weird goals, <laughs> including an own, an own goal. So Navy um, scored their own goal, actually. It slips out of a defenseman's hands. Um, a stick and bounces into the goal. Um, so th- those situations helped the Mountaineers get some extra momentum. 
but 21 save performance from sophomore Griffin McKinley um, in his first career start made all the difference in this one. Navy outshot Mount St. Mary's 50-41 to 41, uh, and put 30 of those shots on cage, uh, but McKinley was constantly there. Um, and look, th- th- this defense in front of him, they really, what the Mount St. Mary's defense did was compacted in and said, okay, Navy, take these outside shots. We're going to trust our goalie to come up with the saves. And that's what they did, and they came up successful on that. Uh, Cormac Giblin led the way, five goals for the Mount St. Mary's offense, um, You know, three of which came in the second half alone and were part of a 6-1 run from early in the third through early in the fourth that helped the Mountaineers jump ahead. Dane Swanson, Patrick Skolniak, uh, with two, with three goals to assist for Navy, uh, matching stat lines there. Pat Ryan gets the start in cage for Navy, sixteen saves there. It was a game. I, I don't really think, you know, Navy played terrible. I just think I've gone back and watched this one. I don't think Navy played terrible. Um, it was a first game. You had some mistakes, as mentioned. Um, and Mount St. Mary's just had the will to capitalize on that. And defensively, I thought they played very, very well. Staying in the state of Maryland, Johns Hopkins defeats Jacksonville. And uh, look, the Blue Jays, they led just 6-5 at the half. Um, they pulled away in the second half, 11-8 victory there over the Dolphins, Jack Keogh, Connor Simone, combining for nine points, five goals. A really good day from both of those guys. Owen McManus, you know, played very well in this one. I thought, um, you know, handled that Jacksonville offense as best as he could. Uh, whoever he was matched up against, uh, you had Josh Kewson with eight saves. And he didn't really have to make that many saves in the second half. I think he made one in the final period, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, didn't really have to do a ton there. Cuson didn't in the second half in cage. Uh, for Jacksonville, the guy you need to mention, Max Waldbaum, uh, Tufts transfer. He uh, had a solid debut there. Four goals, one assist. Uh, played absolutely phenomenal there for the Dolphins. Luke Milliken, uh, North Carolina transfer, gets the starting cage. 17 saves. Thought he played Fantastic as well. Ten of those saves came in the second half. So this game easily could have been um, a, a, a much bigger win for the Blue Jays uh, if it were not for Milken coming up so big in cage. Penn State, 20-15 to 15 win over Lafayette. Um, look, Jack Kelly, Jack Trainer did their thing, but we saw Kyle Aldridge. We saw Matt Costin. We saw a number of young guys step up in this game. Um, was not streamed at all, so wasn't able to see it. Uh, but, um, you know, just look, look at the box score. Number of guys, younger guys, step up in this one. Mike Robinson, uh, probably the, you know, he's definitely going to be on my team of the week. Uh, nine points in this one, six goals, three assists. As Delaware beats NJIT 19 to 9. No Charlie Kitchen, no problem, it seems, at Delaware. 
Ohio State, they beat Detroit mostly 18-7. Jack Myers, eight points in this one, five goals, three assists. Justin Anasio goes 18 for 21 at the dot. Uh, But the big, big story in this one really is that face-off play, unit play as a whole. Uh, Trent DeCiso, nine ground balls, one cause turnover in his college lacrosse debut. Uh, Got a lot of praise from Coach Myers in this one after the game for his play on the wings. Really, really impressive debut uh, for him. So uh, that that Ohio State face-off unit possibly won to look out for there in the Big Ten. A couple other notable things to touch on here. Let's look over real quick. So we did have another Sunday game. Uh, hold on. First, I'll, I'll go with, with Michigan. So Michigan, they got a pretty big win, and this was another one. That was not uh, streamed, so there was no stream of this one. Uh, Twenty-two to thirteen over Bellerman. Josh Zawada, five goals, five assists. Yes, you heard that right. A ten-point outing for Josh Zawada. Absolutely insane. Michael Bame with six goals and three assists as well. So. A huge game for both of those guys uh, there with the Wolverines. Um, We had a Sunday, a a Saturday night game. Uh, Providence beats Holy Cross 16-9. This one, I I read the box score on this one, and, and I was just blown away. Again, this was not streamed, but oh my gosh. Um, And let me pull this up real quick. I can't remember the exact number, so hold on. This one, you had the the face-off numbers here were were, were absolutely insane. So the face-off numbers, Holy Cross went went, 20 of 28 in this game. So you had Providence go 8 for 20, or 8 for 28, I should say, in this game. And they win sixteen to nine. That you know, that's something in today's game you don't often see. So, um, the, the notable thing there as well. Um, Cam Doolin for Bucknell had a strong start in his college career. Five assists um, as the as the Bison beat Mercer sixteen to fourteen on Saturday morning. Any other notable things I want to mention here? Nope, looks like we are all... uh, Oh, I I will mention the Hofstra game. So, um, Hofstra and Merrimack played. And this one, evidently, um, I didn't watch it because it was... uh, Well, I didn't buy the, uh, the stream for it. And then I was watching the Duke... Uh, Vermont game uh, as well, which was going on uh, overlap time period here, but Hofstra wins 8-7 to seven in this one. This one apparently came down to a uh, to a extra man opportunity within the final few minutes, or final few seconds 
of the game. Uh, and, uh, you know, Hofstra's defense was able to hold them there. Uh, Mac Gates, seven, 16 saves there for the Pride. Um, and at the face-off dot, uh, you had Brian Herbert go 64%, uh, so a strong 2022 debut for him, as expected. Uh, for Merrimack, you had Christian Thomas, two goals to assist. Tommy Looney with two goals. Um, and then Jack Looney with one goal, one assist as well. Sean Black, two assists. Um, you had a, a, a pretty solid performance from the Hofstra offense. Dylan McIntosh, two goals. Sam Lutfi, Colton Rudd, and Ger- uh, Gerard Kane. Uh, the Ohio State transfer, um, well, didn't play at Ohio State last year, but was with them in the fall, um, a Georgia native, uh, all got in on the action there, as did Justin Sykes, Foley Jones, Ryan Sheridan. So, um, you know, that new era starting off strong there in Hempstead. All right, folks, that is it for this week's weekend recap episode. I'll be back with y'all on Tuesday as uh, we begin to look forward towards week two of the college lacrosse season. And uh, it most certainly will be a very, very exciting one at that. As always, thank y'all for tuning in. You can find us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. LacrosseBucket.com is the website. You can listen to the podcast on multiple podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and plenty of others. See y'all on Tuesday.